Welcome to the Cade Wilcox podcast. I'm Cade Wilcox, your host, and I love small business. I love the leaders who lead small businesses. I love the the journey of starting a new company and figuring out how to manage uh, people and culture and vision and operations and finances and sales and marketing. And so on our podcast, we feature local small business owners and we learn from them what's going well, what's not going well, things they've learned throughout their journey. So thanks for joining the podcast and enjoy learning from others who are in the trenches and doing the work. Sometimes I struggle with the term entrepreneur because it feels like it's got a very specific definition and it kind of locks a lot of people out as either either you're the bold person that goes where no man has gone before or you're the corporate schlep that that just you know worked for the man your whole life. I've always felt like I had an entrepreneurial mindset And so whether it was working for a small agency or a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, I was always really looking for opportunities, ways to improve, trying to understand the dynamics of a business or a marketplace or a customer. And then finding how to, you know, take take the ingredients that you have and maybe add some that you don't or tweak those into a new formula that gets a better result. And then, you know, iterating over and over and over again, trying new things. So I think... I think I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset, um, but owning my own company wasn't really ever the end goal. Rod, thanks so much uh, for joining my podcast. I really appreciate you. It's been fun getting to know you over the last uh, couple of months. I'm excited for my audience to hear from you. Um, So why don't we start by you just giving a little bit of background of who you are, the work you've done in the past. And then maybe speak into the to the, the the new venture that you just started and what you're doing, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, my past is kind of varied um, within some sort of narrow, I, I guess, framework. Uh, I am actually originally uh, went to school in Lubbock, graduated from Monterey, went to Texas Tech. Uh, my parents went to Texas Tech. My uh, I went, met my wife at Tech. My daughter graduated from tech. And so, I, you know, I've got pretty deep roots here in the Lubbock community. Um, but I, I literally, the day after I graduated from college, I moved away and didn't actually come back until this year. So uh, along the way, I worked in Dallas, uh, moved to Corpus Christi, uh, then to Austin, and finally back here. Um, I spent the better part of 30 years in advertising and marketing with a middle section in there that was heavily into strategy and operations um, and worked both client side and agency side. Uh, so really it's always in that, that vein of building a business uh, and growing business, but in a lot of different sort of iterations. Yeah. So did you, so before we get into kind of your new venture, did you ever see yourself owning your own business at some point? I mean, it sounds like you, you served a lot of uh, businesses of differing sizes, yeah. um, both from strategy and marketing and advertising standpoint, but did you ever imagine, you know, kind of owning your own company? Was that something you always wanted to do? You know, it's, it's funny to say this, but I kind of ended up here. Um, I, I never really had a, an end goal of owning my own company. Um, I always, and, and I, sometimes I struggle with the term entrepreneur, um, because it feels like it's got a very specific de- definition and it kind of locks a lot of people out as either, either you're the bold 
person that goes where no man has gone before, or you're the corporate schlep that, that just, you know, worked for the man your whole life. Um, I've always felt like I had an entrepreneurial, um, mindset. And so whether it was working for a small agency or a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, I was always really looking for opportunities, ways to improve, trying to understand the dynamics of a business or a marketplace or a customer, and then finding how to, you know, take, take the ingredients that you have and maybe add some that you don't or tweak those in, into a new formula that gets a better result. And then, you know, iterating over and over and over again, trying new things. So I think, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset, um, but owning my own company wasn't really ever the end goal. Um, I wasn't against it. Um, and I've actually I've sort of ventured out slightly into that, those areas before. Um, but I think the, the ending up point where I am right now was more about a logical next step and, um, and an opportunity that fit where I am in my life. That's really cool. So maybe tell folks kind of what your business is and, and what you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, I, with, along with a partner, um, bought a company here in Lubbock last, this past February. Uh, it's Window World of Lubbock. It is, uh, it's been here for 15 years, um, but it's kept a, a really low profile. And um, the, the guy that was the owner was ready to sort of retire and ride off into the sunset. And um, I had gotten to a point uh, in my career where uh, and, I, and it's always sort of been nascent in the background. I've, I've mostly been in the corporate environment, um, but I've always loved and admired people that make things with their hands, whether that's a designer, uh, a graphic designer, uh, a, a coder, or um, a bootmaker. Like I just people that create something and at the end of the day, there's something tangible there. I've always admired that. Um, and I've always sort of fed that, you know, in my personal life because it wasn't really there you know, most of my business life has been dealing with ideas. Um, and so I've um, always sort of satisfied that that need to build tangible things in my personal life, whether it's woodworking or learning how to work with concrete or landscaping. Um, and I, I got to the point in my life where I just wanted to dive into that area. And so one of my other passions, I love architecture and I especially love homes, you know, from our very first home that my wife and I uh, bought that we really over several years basically remade it. And um, we just love that. And, and, you know, windows and doors seem like a really pedestrian thing at times, but, you know, there's nothing more uh, consequential in a house than light. And, you know, having, having the ability to help people create a a more interesting, more healthy environment with, and especially in a year after COVID, where people are working in their homes more and more, um, the ability to come into a business that does that for a living was just really exciting for me, and and the opportunity was there. That's really awesome. What are what are two or three things that you think you're bringing with you into this new venture uh, that you learned along the way, serving larger companies, working in a corporate environment? Are there two or three things that you feel like you've learned over the last 15, 20, 30 years that you're bringing with you that you think is going to help you kind of on this new, new venture? Yeah. Yeah, actually there, there are. And I, I, I can come up with a few examples off the top of my head. I think, 
Um, one of them, and maybe the most important, is the and I and I learned this along the way. Um, I worked for Whataburger, and you know, there's nothing a lot of people consider more pedestrian than flipping burgers for a living. And we had a lot of we we had a lot of we had a hard time hiring and and retaining people because of, because they were embarrassed of what they did in some cases. But when you when you dig into it, and we understood the role that that brand and, and you wonder, like, why do people care about a burger place? Or why do, why do people care about any brand? But there but if they do, there's some need that's being met. And what we found in this case was that, you know, most people spend most of their life doing what other people want them to do. And the the simple operational realities of the Whataburger business model was we take your order. We, however you want your burger made, we're going to make it that way. And we're not going to, we're not going to treat you like you're in a position for doing that. We're going to bring your food to the table. We're going to come and offer you napkins. You know, we're going to offer to get a refill for your drink. And that, that made people's lives actually better. We heard this from customer after customer after customers. Like it's the only time during the day that somebody's taking care of me and making me the center of their universe. You can't, you can't manufacture a better purpose for somebody than that. Right. And so once we were able to sort of to capture that and convey to especially current employees that what they did mattered and that what they did was making a difference, no matter how small they, they were improving somebody else's life, man, like the retention went up, our service levels went up, like every metric went up as soon as we started reframing people's jobs that way. And so I, I think that, you know, replacement windows and doors is it's a very, it's it's a similar thing. It's not the it's not a really glamorous thing to think about, but when you say you know when we go into this person's house, we're going to make it more energy efficient. We're going to reduce their heating bills. We're we're going to bring more beautiful light into their home. Uh, you know, you just da, 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 go down the go down the line. It's going to be more secure. There, you know. Um, it's going to reduce noise pollution. And as odd as that sounds, that's, you know, I was out talking to a customer a couple of weeks ago and they said, I can't believe how much road noise we didn't know we had that when we got these windows in here and we can have a conversation now. I mean, that's huge, that's right? Cool. So, so I think bringing, bringing the recognition that every job can have serious, actual, not manufactured, not fabricated meaning and I think meaning is something that, that everybody needs, right? Um, but sometimes people don't see that. They don't see the meaning in what they're doing. And so I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, another thing, and this is way more tactical, is just the value of advertising. You know, I've done uh, advertising and marketing my whole career. I've seen how that can impact a business. Um, and so coming in with a belief in the long-term value of, of marketing at every level from the very top of the funnel for, you know, awareness all the way driven down to after, after the sale service and follow-up. Um, that's something that people oftentimes in small businesses see as a, um, a nice to have. And I've always believed that it's a have to have like it, it, it's, it's in many ways, it's yeah. like the gas in the engine. Right. And so, I think that was helpful for me to have that background to come in and say, okay, I know I'm going to have to make this investment. Um, I know it, it seems like a lot of money, but I also, I have, I have the confidence that it's the right thing to do in order to build the business. Uh, and it, and it sort of 
cushions me from trying to pull back, which is where most companies make their first cut is the marketing budget, right? And so um, I think that brought a perspective that will ultimately make me uh, and make my company more successful over time. Yeah, that's really cool. So you guys are only a few months in. So I wonder uh, what what surprised you, uh, both what surprised you in terms of being maybe more difficult than you anticipated, uh, but also what's been really exciting and engaging and fun in a way that maybe you didn't anticipate. Um, you know, the, the hardest part has been um, just dealing and, and you know, poor me coming in at the end of COVID and dealing with this, but just the interruptions in supply chain uh, have really been hard for it, for us to really keep our promises to our customers. And, you know, we, we started off and, and just said, you know, we're never, we're one of, one of our sort of pillars under our operating principles is to always tell the customer tr the truth, whether that's what they want to hear or not. And so, um, we want, we want to make bold promises to customers and then keep them. And with manufacturing interruptions, it's, it's, that's been really hard to do, um, in a compelling way. Um, as far as, uh, the most fun, surprisingly fun piece, and I don't know if it's surprisingly, um, but just being in such a small organization is a ball. I mean, you, you, you can get the whole company together around one table. Um, and yeah. so the the ability to um you know we have a we have a sales agreement and it's a very it's a complicated document there's a lot of math that goes into that in order to make it simple for the customer and the ability to get the installer the the, the design consultant and the back office person around the table and make decisions in 10 minutes about what we need to change or what we need to address uh, to me, that's, I, I just love it. It's, it's fun. It's dynamic. Um, and it's just, there's nothing boring about it. It's mm, awesome. That's really cool. So I'm excited to ask you some questions about just, you know, what you and your partner kind of how you're approaching the business and certain uh, key, you know, what I believe to be really key elements of any kind of good business framework. So tell me a little yeah. bit about kind of where your mindset's at and how you're approaching kind of vision and goal setting. You know, you're a couple of months into this thing. What's your approach, yeah. you know, kind of coming into it and moving forward as it relates to really a vision and, and what you want to accomplish with, with your team? So, um, I am really, really blessed with my business partner. Um, he and I have known each other uh, for a decade and a half. And we started from a place of shared values and uh, I would say a common approach to business. Um, and so, and I can't, you know, I've seen over the years so many times where discord at the very top of a company can just drive it into the ground. Um, you know, it, it makes, it just makes everything harder. And so for Tim and I to come into this with the same goals in mind, which is to grow over time, um, and to, you know, to have the patience to invest where we need investment and to, um, really build the business in a healthy way, uh, that, that was huge from the outset. So that's just, that's at a partnership level, right? And so we're spending money in areas that we might not otherwise, or other people might not spend it 
because we're on the same page and we're working towards the same goals. So um, that's the first thing. When it gets down to sort of the, um, the vision for the operation of the company and what we aspire to be, um, we, we sat down and I worked with the folks in the office. I worked with Tim, got a couple of other inputs, and we articulated what we call our operating principles. And that's basically the highest level um, objectives uh, for the company. And then we, and that's what some, organiza some organizations might call the vision or the mission level. Um, we're calling it operating principles for two reasons. One is it's, the pr it's principles and it's, it's meant to be guiding. Um, and then it's operating. We didn't want anything. This is a really straightforward business. And the last thing we wanted to do was, was make it more complex by, by taking it you know, to some ethereal plane. So it's operating principles and it's basically this is how we are going to work and what we're going to work for. Uh, and then we so we we created four buckets. We articulated pillars under that to really say specifically, this is what we mean by that. Um, and then we've flowed those principles into every job description in the company uh, so that any person that is either interviewing when we post for a position uh, when we hire a position, when we hand somebody that position description, when we measure them on the back end, those all tie directly back to who we're trying to be as a company. Um, so we've really tried to operationalize that level as much as we can. Hmm. That's really cool. It's really good. Any any practical things that you feel like have made a huge impact for you guys in, in developing those? You mentioned really sitting down with your team and getting their feedback. Did you, did, you know... This, this may sound really pragmatic, but what was, was there yeah. something that influenced the, the way you're approaching that, whether it be a book or a podcast or, you know, where did, I, I really like just kind of the, um, the way you line that out. So like where, wh what's the origin of that? So, um, probably two things. Um, when I was sort of learning the trade of strategic planning or strategy management, um, you know, I went to, I went to a national workshop where all the biggest companies that were that were using this methodology were there and the single biggest the, the scariest stat is that something along the magnitude of 70 percent of strategic initiatives fail hmm. doesn't matter company size it, it's just they fail and that's because people don't they can't execute around their ideas hmm. but the biggest the the bigger scarier thought or, or reality was that the, the vast majority of what many people consider the most important initiatives never make it onto the table because people don't know what to say no to. And so the biggest issue in these organizations is not a lack of good ideas, it's a flood of good ideas and the inability to narrow down to which are the right ideas to actually pursue. Um, and so, and I've, I've lived, I've lived in that world, right? I've seen, I've actually seen that and seen the impacts of it. And then when you're able to narrow down and filter out and really challenge and pull on people's assumptions and say, is this really the most important thing we could be doing and what's it going to cost and what are we not going to be able to do if we do that? Right. That, that exercise, um, will really, uh, focus an organization 
Um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing that that I see a need for is just everybody needs to know what the main what's the goal, what are we aiming at, and then how do we define that in ways that everybody knows what their role is uh, in attaining that goal. Mm. Yeah, that's really. I don't good. know if that Thanks answered your question or not, but no, you did. Yeah, no, it's really good. I I really resonate with what you said about you know having a lot of ideas is not the challenge. Uh, any, really anyone can have ideas, things they want to accomplish, goals, visions, you know, whatever, but the ability to prioritize them, which is something you said, and then execute on them is, is really, really what differentiates you. So I, I, I appreciate that. I think, I think that's, um, that's really good. What about culture? You, you mentioned you have a small team right now. You love, you know, the size of the team, being able to gather together. So as you've thought about your people, your culture, and, and what you want to grow into uh, over time, what's your approach to culture going to be as you, as you build out your company? So there, there's a fair amount of that baked into our operating principles, right? Mm. Um, and so we've staked out some territories that we want to be excellent at. One is um, being honest with each other. And so, um, one of our, you know, we have one of our, one of our operating principles, principles is stellar reputation. And one of the, you know, the pillars under that are build trust in every interaction, um, do what you say you're going to do and then give and receive feedback as a gift. Like those are the things that we want to do as a company with each other, but also with our customers. Right. And the 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 wording of those is really specific and intentional to say you know it's it's self-evident that you can destroy trust way faster than you can build it right and so the idea that every time you interact with somebody you need to be building trust that's a high bar right to do it in every interaction but that's that's our goal um and so we're, you know, we can, we can put metrics and measures in place to see how are we doing on that? Are we, are, are, are people trusting what we're saying? Are we acting in a trustworthy manner? Are we keeping our word with customers? Um, you know, are we, are we telling them hard truths when they need to hear it? Um, are we telling ourselves hard truths and are we receiving those truths in a, like in a spirit of love, right? If, if I don't care anything about whether you're successful or not, I'm just going to let you fail. I'm not going to tell you. Hey, I think you could have handled that conversation better. Or when you, when you, you know, when you promise that to the customer, you created a gap that I can't fill. Like those are hard conversations, but they need to be had. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to risk myself enough to tell you the truth, you need to risk yourself enough to hear it for what it is and, and accept it. And then, you know, give that back. You need you need to be as honest with me as I'm being as, as I am with you, and that's how we build a relationship over time, and that's how you build your reputation over time. So, uh, yeah, that I mean, it's that kind of thing that we're trying to put in place to build our culture yeah. and to hold ourselves accountable to. Yeah, I love how you baked in really what's going to define your culture and, and, and the type of people you're going to build your team with within your, your vision document or, 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 you know, your operating, you know, principles. I, I that's really mm -hmm. smart um, because it serves as a litmus test of, you know, whether someone's a right fit or whether someone's 
um, living up to the ideals that you've all established collectively. So it's really interesting and seems seems to be really wise. Um, what, what about well, finances? And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, you know, and the reason for that, the reason um, it's intended to be so specific is because, you know, like you talked about fit, and I think that's it's critical. But so many places they talk about, well, you're not in a right culture fit. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't really know. I just don't have a good feeling about you. Hmm. Right. I just didn't have a good impression. Well, articulating those and operationalizing those and making them very finite and, and definable holds us accountable. Right. Because yeah. now we can't just put that blanket out there and go, well, you that person just wasn't a culture fit. We're moving on. And maybe there, maybe there was a problem with us. Maybe they, they were having a reaction to us because of the way we were behaving. Um, but it also allows people to either buy into it or not buy into it, right? Because we can't say we, we have a caring culture. Well, what does that mean? You know, when I interviewed with you, you said you had a caring culture, but now you're telling me that I'm not doing something right. That doesn't feel very caring to me. Well, no, the culture is actually, it's not about, it, caring is such a vague term. This is about, I'm going to build trust with you by being honest with you. And it, and it really makes it, it makes it, it makes everybody more accountable to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. What about finances? This one's always weird for me to ask because it's like, you know, finances seems to be like a really boring thing. And, 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 you know, one would think almost really simple. It's like, you make money, you save money, you spend money, you know, but yeah. I, I think most of the time I ask because it's something we didn't take serious soon enough in, in, in our journey. And so I'm always curious, uh, you know, if, what what people's approaches are to their finances, you know, whether they do it themselves, whether they use a bookkeeper, yep. you know, I've, I've heard a lot uh, recently of a book called Profit First, which is an entire methodology for managing your finances at a small business. You know, you have the Dave Ramsey's of the world. So I'm just really curious, like as you and Tim have, have, have bought this company and you're growing it, what kind of approach have you taken to really take your finances seriously and, and uh, maintain healthy finances? Um. <clears throat> So the first thing is we're very uh, fiscally conservative. All of our projections, um, we, we, we're almost ultimately conservative, meaning we put very conservative projections of what we thought we could do. And then we took a worst case scenario and said, even if we didn't do that, what are the ramifications? How many months of cash flow? Like cash flow is critical, right? You can be very profitable and go out of business. Um, so we, we took a no debt approach. Um, we, we put a, enough money in there to, to, to start with, right. To float us three times as long as we thought we would have to be floated because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, we took this very seriously. We, this is not something where either one of us said, well, we'll just go do this. And if it doesn't work, we'll go do something else. It was like, if we're going to go in. And, and we're we're going to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to make sure the thing is viable, even even as we learn this new industry, because we are learning it from scratch, right? And so you never you can't you don't even know what you have. Um, you know there was uh, there was there's a person in our office that came with the company, and I and I I told her two weeks in I said I had no idea what I had. Like you 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 came in with this job title but you're, you're functioning up here. And I could never have guessed that it could have been the opposite, right? You don't know what you're getting when you buy a company. I got very, very lucky, um, with, with the folks that I inherited with this company. So, um, we, we allowed ourselves to be wrong about a lot of things to a degree. 
Um, and then from a from a the, uh, the from the other perspective, I said, you know, it sounds like we don't, we tried not to spend anything we didn't have to. But the flip side to that is that we committed to investing for the long term and putting systems and technologies in place and and pay structures and things like that that would make us more successful long term, knowing that we didn't necessarily have to make money year one. It was not, you know, let's go in and try to make this thing gangbusters year one. What let's look at year three, year five, year ten. And what are we going to, what should we invest now so we don't have to come back and try to retrofit it later? Uh, and so I think just being really thoughtful about where to invest and where to save, as obvious as that sounds. Um, and then just planning for worst case scenario plus yeah. uh, and going from there. Yeah, it's really good. Thanks for sharing that. I'm I'm really excited to hear your uh, kind of what your 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 plan is for sales and marketing with your background in marketing, um, yeah. and the fact that you're really inheriting uh, you know uh, a blank slate like it's yours and you can kind of do what you want. You don't have a client you know telling you, hey, this is what I want. You know whether you agree yeah. with the strategy or not. And so what uh what 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 what's your what's your vision right now for that? You know, how are you working into it? What are some of the things you're excited to, to you know, to, to experiment with? What are you doing now? Um, yep. You know, just kind of speak into to how you're going to approach sales and marketing. Yeah. So, you know, um, first off, we're trying to invest in the entire funnel, right? Heavily at the top and then all the way through. We're not trying to pick just uh, there's a there's a there's a, a temptation that a lot of clients come uh, that they fall into which is just focus on conversion, focus on conversion, focus on conversion. Um, and that can work for a while, right? But if you're not filling the top of the funnel, then pretty soon you've converted everybody you're going to convert. Um, and then, you, you know, you're kind of left scratching your head about what to do next. Um, and so we, we're, we're really looking at the entire consumer journey. We don't have a lot of, of research done yet. Um, in Lubbock, so we're you know we're relying on third-party information. Um, we were we were really lucky to get some partners, some strategic partners, um, on board early that have a lot of industry experience. So we're able to bring benchmarks from other similar type businesses and similar type markets um, to sort of set that baseline that we can measure ourselves against until we have enough of our own data. To, to really see trends and, and make adjustments based on that. Um, and then the, the other thing is that, and this is probably the most exciting to me personally, because I, I love the creative side of the business, which is, you know, the Winter World brand has very specific attributes, but the, they're national attributes, right? And, and so they're sort of definitionally generic in some sense. And West Texas just has a very specific ethos about it. And so figuring out how to translate those characteristics or attributes into something that's relevant in Lubbock and in West Texas is really exciting to me. And it's fun to me to be on the client side of this equation in the sense that I have the approval power, like what you said, like. You know, there's nothing when you're on, when, when you're on the agency side, there's nothing more disheartening than pouring your heart into an idea that you know is the right idea just to get told, no, that's too risky, or I don't think that's right. And so I've tried to put the, the, the shoe on the other foot and I've told the, the agency that I'm working with, um, you know, I'm, I, 
I'm going to be your hardest client for the first nine months. But my hope is if, if everything goes like we think it is in 12 months, I'm going to be your favorite client because I'm going to challenge you to do stuff that nobody else is asking you to do. I'm going to like my goal for you is to is to blow me out of the water with something that I wouldn't have thought of. And 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 if you do that, I promise you, I'm going to go for it. Like if it's sound and it's logical, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that because I I know that you can't win by not standing out, right? And that doesn't mean being crazy. It just means you have to find some chord of resonance with people to where they actually want to do business with you, um, because you're these are these these are big important decisions that people are making when they're talking about a replacement window that will potentially be in there as long as they own that house. You know, we've got a lifetime warranty, so it's literally forever uh, that they're going to be be dealing with that. So they've got a big, uh, big decision to make. And it's not always going to come down to dollars and cents. At some point, it's going to come down to do I want to do business with people? Do I believe that they're trustworthy and they're going to do what they say? And, and you know, are they going to be around in five years if something happens? And are they going to remember me? Or are they not? You know, we 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 had a comment on our Facebook page over the weekend from a lady that said, hey, you guys put windows in my house um, and they didn't finish the job. And we looked it up. It was from 2014. And the lady had just been dealing with this. She had never been really happy with the job. Well, that's our like we get to go make that good now. Right. We get to go stand behind that. And so you want to let people know in a meaningful way that's who you are as a company and so i'm really excited about that's sort cool. of unlocking that yeah that's good you talk about really investing in the entire funnel so if you broke down a funnel in in four simple phases you know attract convert so attract leads convert leads close them and delight them what are some of the things you're excited to test because you're you're you know direct to a consumer product so what are some of the things you're excited about uh, from a from a from a marketing perspective in, in the funnel that you think is going to be really effective for for y'all's kind of B two C strategy? You know, um, I'm excited by the whole thing because we're really this the the company didn't have much presence in the marketplace before the the, the previous owner had kind of kept it under the radar intentionally, uh, kept it pretty scaled back. Um, and so there's really, there's ground to be tilled at every one of those levels. And I'm excited about all of those. I think the thing that probably excites me the most is really that you wouldn't call it an unboxing, but it's like that experience when the day that windows go in, right. To make that something that's really exciting and special for the customer. To me, that's that's like that's the magic, right? That's where their uh, their trust in you hopefully pays off. Hmm. And so, finding ways to make that as 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 special as we can doesn't have to be anything grand, but something that really reinforces to them that they made the right call. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. So, a couple more questions for you. So, as a yeah. as a new business owner and leader, what are some of the tools, whether they're apps or you know uh, CRMs or whatever whatever it is? What are some of the tools you just can't live without? Well, so <clears throat> that's kind of funny. Uh, it's kind of a funny question from the perspective that my answer is going to be very random to you. Uh, but <laughs> probably the biggest one, the biggest tool for me personally, is podcasts hmm. um, because 
there there's so much content out there and so many great thinkers in all aspects of of, of thinking and doing and in life uh, there are so many perspectives out there and it's really easy to get micro focused on your business when you're you know and I, I i think that i personally am somebody that gets kind of um i i can get too unidimensional in my thinking right i just i'm i'm mission first and i'm going down that path and i need to look up and so for me podcasts do that for me they make me think about different things and even things that i don't even know that i'm interested in yeah. until i hear it right yeah um so that's probably the biggest personal tool Cool. Are there any recently that have really helped shape the way you approach running and leading your business? Yeah, actually. Um, so randomly Joe Rogan, okay. um, he brings in such great thinkers. Um, and I think the thing that I've learned more than anything, listening to that podcast is I I've, I've actually gotten to, uh, observe a truly open mind. Like he just lets you go wherever you're going to go. And he asks questions so often you think you know the answer to something. So you ask the question in a way that you're going to get that answer. And then you're just waiting for them to say that thing. And the thing that I love about listening to his podcast is he just lets it go wherever it's going to go. And he rarely challenges. He might, he might challenge you. Like if you're going off the rails, he's going to try to push you back a little bit in the rails, but he truly is curious about everything. Um, and, and so, like I said, topics I didn't know that I, I cared about at all um i've i've come to really enjoy um i listen a lot to to jordan peterson um i think um you know listening to his biblical lecture lectures that have brought an entirely new level of thinking to you know the bible stories that you learn as a kid that you take for granted that you just don't think about and just the level of meaning in those things and the practicality and the applicability of those things to to things that you're doing every day um, have been really great for me. They've, they've grown me a lot in that regard. And then, um, and then just the, just the value of those things, right? Just the in intrinsic value of those stories, whether you're a Christian or not, those stories or whether you're Jewish or not, those stories are so packed with, with meaning that is, that is powerful um, that, that once you start, sort of start thinking about those things in that way, you realize that you, you miss a lot of other things. Um, and then, yeah, I, those are probably the two biggest. I love listening to Mike Rowe. Um, I, 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 I love what he's done as a human being in terms of highlighting the, the importance of, of jobs that a lot of people take for granted or don't want to do the idea that, um, you know, a four-year degree is not the only path forward for people to have a fruitful, productive life. Um, and then just the, the way that he interacts with people, um, at a very honest, respectful, uh, level, um, with humor, you know, I, all yeah. of those things I, I'm a big admirer and I really enjoy, uh, listening to him. That's really cool. No, that's really good. Well, man, thanks for being on the podcast. I'm really, really excited for you. I, I know for me personally, uh, you know, starting businesses, running them, building teams, doing all these things we're talking about yeah. is really rich and rewarding. And so it'd be fun to have you back yeah. on in a year or so 
and say, okay, here's all the things you said, you know, when you're two or three months into it, how do you feel now? <laughs> what have you learned? What are you doing now? So I'm excited yeah. for your journey and I'm, I'm really confident you're going to do a great job. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I, I enjoy our conversations. I always learn when I, whenever we uh, get together for lunch or have a conversation, uh, I look forward to many more. So yeah, thanks man. Have a great day. Okay. You too.